This morning we're going to start the third chapter of Vasilagani. You ready? In the recordings, it's on page 35. In the in the copies, it's on page 35. <coughs> it's a fun chapter. We finished the first chapter. The first chapter told us what our mission in this world is. Our mission in this world is to make this world into a gan, into a garden for Hashem. A garden where you feel Hashem's presence. A garden where you feel Hashem's presence. The second chapter of Vasilagani taught us How you do it, um, how you do it specifically is Iskafia and Ishapcha, which we learned about in the first chapter. But the second chapter taught us how you do it practically through the model of karbanis, sacrifices. How we have to make sure that our nefesh of Bahamas, our animal soul, is brought upon the Mizbeach of our hearts, where the godly fire of the Nefesh Alikis of the godly soul will consume it, and the godly soul will invigorate, excite the Nefesh Bahamas, that the Nefesh Bahamas also should be excited about godliness the way that the Nefesh Alikis is. And when you accomplish that, Rav then the potential is unlimited. When the Nefesh Bahamas is on board, when the animal soul is on board, then you've got unlimited potential. The Nefesh Alikis is much more limited, it's much more square. The Nefesh Bahamas colors outside of the lines. So if you have the Nefesh Bahamas on board, the animal soul on board, then you've got an exciting dance, an exciting event. Here, there's more copies. Now we start chapter three. Chapter three, with this we could understand. In chapter three, what we're going to see is what is the problem that usually gets in our way that prevents us from accomplishing this mission as we've discussed in the earlier two chapters? And the answer is one single word. And that's what chapter three is about. The answer is shtus. You know what shtus is? It's a fun word. It it means exactly what it sounds like. (coughs) You know what it sounds like, Yasniel? Let's see. With this we could understand. Why the Mishkan was built out of Atzei Shittim. In other words, we're going to still use the Mishkan as the model in order to demonstrate for us how we're supposed to accomplish this mission. And this time we're using the material that the Mishkan was built out of. The Mishkan was built out of Shittim wood. And this shittim wood, it's a special type of wood, 
And the reason why it specifically was used to build the, Mish- the Mishkan is because the Mishkan is about this concept of Shitim or Shtus. Let's see. Since the main service of the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash is, as we discussed earlier, to transform the darkness into light, to transform the animal soul into a chassid, to make the, God, the animal soul into a chassid who is excited about godliness. And this is the idea of the divine service of karbanis, of sacrifices. As we mentioned earlier, and especially, it says in the parentheses, the Kteris was, there are two Mizbeachs in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash. The outside Mizbeach and the inside Mizbeach. The outside Mizbeach was where you brought animals as karbanis. The inside mizbeach was where you brought the k'teris. The k'teris is a much more refined the service which was performed. And it especially represents this idea of iskafya nishapcha in a much more refined way. In any case, through the divine service that we performed in the mikdash, this caused that godliness shone in the world, which is what we said the whole objective is. The objective is to make the jungle into a garden. The objective is to bend over the klipa so that the godliness should shine through, that you should be able to connect to this godliness. That's why the Mishkan and the Mikdash were built from Atse Shittim, from Shittim wood specifically. The translation of the word Shita, the word Shita means to swerve. The word Shita means to swerve. What does that mean to swerve? To swerve means, you have a middle road. The middle road is the road of logic, of common sense. The middle road is the road which is recognizably um, appreciated, something which could be appreciated, something which you could recognize. This is the right thing to do. You see it clearly. This is how a person should behave. Swerving to any side. That means, above, and we're not really going to speak now about swerving above, but it is possible to swerve above, to go beyond logic, to go supra-logical, or below, and that's what we're going to speak about now. Either way you swerve, Nikris Shita. It's called Shita. You know, every person thinks that he's the middle ground, right? Anybody who's a little bit more from than me is a fanatic. Anybody that's a little bit less from than me is a frayak. Uh, Someone who just doesn't care about Judaism at all. I'm normal, right? So that's the concept of Shita. Shita means... You know the person who said, he said, listen, I have no problem with other people having opinions which are different than my own. 
everybody is entitled to their ridiculous opinions. <laughs> so, shita means swerving from the middle ground. There's the middle ground and then they're swerving away from it. Now, what happens when you see a person behaving in a way, you want to sit next to me, you can look in with me. Um, what happens? Bring the chair. No, no, the splash is that way. <coughs> the, what happens when you see a person behaving in a way which is not logical? You say he's behaving foolish. That's the translation of shtus. Shtus is foolishness. Why is it called foolishness? Because it's swerving from the the shtus who ha it's swerving it's swerving from knowledge, from what makes sense, from chachma, what's wise, what's appreciable. The yedia v'hasaga knowledge, understanding, appreciation, those are the middle paths. V'hatoya <coughs> swerving away from that nikras shtus, that's called foolishness. So, with regard to this, vihine, yesh dos there is foolishness dulu and then we're going to discuss a different type of shtus called shtus tektusha. That's my favorite chapter of Vasiligani, <laughs> the fifth chapter of Vasiligani. But we're going to take some time to get there. But I want to try to finish this chapter, so if possible, we're going to leave most questions till the end. Um, uh, unless it's, yeah, sure. What? Lumasa means the opposite side. You know what President Bush said? You're either with us or against us. Lu'umasa means against us. Yeah, most everybody's against us. I told you, that's why Yiddin are called Ivri. We're called Ivri because we're on one side and everybody else is on the other side. There is Lu'umasa. Lu'umasa means the opposite side. In English also, you have holiness. And what's something which is the opposite of holiness? Politics. Well, evil. Unholiness, right? <laughs> There's no such thing as holiness, gray, and impure, bad. It's holy or it's unholy. As soon as it's not holy, it's unholy. There's Kedusha, there's holiness, and there's Le'umazza. There's the opposite side. So that's Shtus Le'umazza, that means swerving over, away from holiness. Away from Kedusha, away from that which is logical and sensible. Ukumesha Kasov, we see this in a verse where it describes a behavior of a woman who's not behaving in a modest way. It says, Kisista Ishtoy. It says, if a person's wife, sister, what does sister mean? So Upirish Rashi, Rashi explains, Tat Midarke Hatsnias. She swerved away from the ways of modesty. That means the ways of modesty at least used to be normal. Most people behaved in a modest way. And then there are some people who they swerve away (coughs) from that. They behave in an immodest way. They behave in a way which is not nice, not appropriate. And that is the beginning of a saita, 
of a woman who becomes a saita. Uksiv, also we have another verse. It says, Vayeshev Yisrael Beshitim. This is when the Jews behaved in a way which was engaged in things they should not have been engaged in. So it says they dwelled in a place called Shittim. Why was it called Shittim? Again, because they swerved away from that which is proper. Shahu inyin hashtus That's the idea of shtus Shtus of the opposite side. What is the shtus of the opposite side? The shtus of the opposite side is when a person swerves away from a, be, a, a modest behavior, from a refined behavior, from a behavior which is befitting of a human being. Ukemaimer Razal, as our sages say, Ein Adam Oivra Avera Elam Keinichnas Bayrachstos. A person does not commit a sin unless there's a spirit of folly that enters into him. Our natural inclination is not like that. They tell a story of a woman who came um, crying to the Rav. She said, Rebbe, my son, he's going crazy. Help me. So the Rav says, what's the matter? What's going on? So she says, Rebbe, my son, he's eating pig and dancing with girls. He's going crazy. Help me. So the Rav says, that's not crazy. If he'd be eating girls and dancing with pigs, that's crazy. (laughs) So to us, it seems like behaving in a way which is following our taiva, behaving in a way which is following our yetzer hara, that doesn't seem crazy to us. But our sages tell us that that's not the case. Our sages tell us that ein adam over avera elam keinichnas bayrachstus. A person does not commit a sin unless there is a spirit of foolishness that enters into him. In other words, you never stick your hand into a fire. You would never drink a cup if there is a big poison symbol on it. You would never smoke a cigarette if there are pictures of what happens to your lungs on the box, right? Nobody would smoke a cigarette like that. People still would. Crazy. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. It, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. It doesn't make any sense, right? How could you smoke a cigarette if there's a picture? If you smoke this, this is what will happen to your lungs. It doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't drink a, a, a cup that says poison on it. Again, you wouldn't stick your hand into a fire. A yid should not be able to do an Aveira. It should be impossible for a yid to do an Aveira. If a yid, God forbid, does a sin, the only reason that it's possible for a Jew to commit a sin is because there's a spirit of foolishness that is completely blinding him and preventing him from being able to appreciate the truth. And this is what the Mimer continues and says, Do you want to know what a spirit of foolishness does? It does something very simple. It, it blurs the truth. It makes the truth unclear. I mean, look. Look at the world around us. Look what's taking place. Look at the arguments. I saw a headline this morning. 20% of young Americans think that Bin Laden is a good guy. 
No. Yes, that was the headline. Twenty percent of young Americans think that Bin Laden is a good guy. They pulled that in North Carolina. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand the concept of perverting truth, of completely mixing up what makes sense? That's called ruach shtus. Ruach shtus means that you can't tell good from bad. You can't tell light from darkness. You can't tell logic from foolishness. That's what shtus does. Shtus covers over truth and prevents you from being able to see the truth. It covers over the truth. This spirit of foolishness is what klipa is. What's klipa? Klipa means appeal. What does appeal do? Appeal covers over that which is inside. Anybody who doesn't have a copy, I thought I made enough copies for today. I'm never, I never have enough. Baruch Hashem. Um, anyone who doesn't have a copy, just sit down, look in together with someone. It's the other side. Sitra Achra and Le'umas mean the same thing. The other side. It's the spirit of Klippa that covers over the truth. Vinikras Shtus, the reason why it's called foolishness, is Alderich similar to the idea that the Yetzer Hara is called a Melech, a king. The reason why he's called a king is like we're learning in Tanya the past few days. That he wants to be a king over you. He wants to control you. He wants to tell you what to do. He doesn't want your Yetzer Ktoiv telling you what to do. He wants to be the one who's in charge of you. But he's also called, a, he's called a Melech, I'm sorry, a Zakin. He's called old. The reason why he's old is because Yetzer Leva Adam Rami Urav, because the Yetzer is there from the beginning. The Yetzer is older than the Yetzer Taiv. The Yetzer Taiv develops with maturity. It comes into you in stages. The Yetzer is there from the very beginning. What does a baby want from the very beginning? Does a baby care about waking up the mother at night? Does a baby care about the, the inconveniences that it causes and so on and so forth? A baby doesn't think about these things because a baby naturally, and that's an important nature that the baby has, is the baby thinks only about itself only about its needs, its wants, its comfort, and the ability to appreciate that which is beyond it comes with maturity. That's the Yetzir Hara, which starts in the person, and the Yetzir Taiv, which develops. So the Yetzir Hara is called a king who is old, but he's also called a ksil, a foolish king. Why is he called foolish? He's not foolish. He's not dumb. He's the opposite of dumb. He's known as the Kluginker. That's how he's referred <laughs> to offer. The sly one. Why is he called foolish? He's called foolish because he causes foolishness. He, he covers over that which makes sense. He convinces us to do things which are totally ridiculous. We spoke earlier about smoking. Let's use that as an example. It's an example I usually use when we learn this chapter. So, a person's going to take out a box. This is true of anything, by the way, but we'll use smoking as an example. A person takes out a box. On this box, there are clear pictures that say, smoking kills. 
And then it gives you a picture of what your lungs look like after you inhale smoke. So you would think that anybody that sees a box like that is going to take it and chuck it. And yet, millions of people across the world take out the sticks from inside and start puffing them. What's going on? What's going on? How could something like that happen? It seems totally illogical. It doesn't seem to make any sense. It's like um, uh, when you had the women marching for um, uh, for the new Gaza, women for Gaza. So they say that women marching for Gaza is like chickens marching for, for <laughs> KFC. Is it, well, yeah, yeah, KFC. yeah, like chickens marking for KFC. It's like <laughs> the, the, the whole thing. How do these things make sense? So the answer is very simple. The answer is, we're talking about a ruach shtos, a spirit of foolishness. This spirit of foolishness comes and it blocks us from thinking clearly. It blocks us from seeing clearly. It tells us, you could smoke this and nothing will happen to you. Try it. Smoke one cigarette. Did it feel so bad? It wasn't so bad. You could smoke another cigarette and nothing will happen to you. And another cigarette and nothing will happen to you. That's what the Ruach Shtus tells us. That's what the Ruach Shtus convinces us. It convinces us that in so many areas of life, just do it. It's okay. It's not real. It's not, in other words, it blurs the truth to such a degree that you have people of certain sexual orientation going and marching for Gaza, even though if they would march into Gaza, they would be immediately shocked. It's totally absurd. What kind of stupidity is it? The answer is, it's clearly a Ruach Shtus. And that Ruach Shtus is the same clip of the same Ruach Shtus that allows anybody to commit a sin. Because really, it should be impossible for a Jew to commit a sin. Could you imagine? This isn't religious coercion. We're not talking about religious coercion. A Jew should feel as scared of a sin as a person does from something which says poison on it. Because a Jew feels that his life is godliness. And it shouldn't be make sense for him to commit a sin. Let's read inside. These, this Ruach Shtus, that's what covers over light and revelation. Godliness is truth. And godliness is chayim, godliness is life. And by the way, truth and life are related to each other. Because something which is true is alive. And something which is alive is true. In this week's parsha, this week's parsha is called Parshas Vayichi. And we read about seemingly the, what's the subject of the parsha? The passing of Yaakov. Why is a parsha, which is talking about the passing of Yaakov, called Parshas Vayichi? The life of Yaakov. So one of the ideas that it says over here, our sages teach us, Yaakov Avinu loy meis. Yaakov Avinu never passed away. What does it mean that Yaakov Avinu never passed away? 
It means that someone who lives a life of holiness, someone who lives a life of spirituality, his life continues. His life is not limited to his physical body. Tzaddikim b'misasan kruyim chayim. Righteous people, even in their death, are called alive. Why are they called alive? Because their life does not end. Their life is not limited to the physical body. What makes them alive? What makes them alive is Torah, mitzvahs, avas Hashem, love of God, yiras Hashem, fear of God. These are things which live on, which continue, which don't end. And since these are things which don't end, the life of a tzaddik continues. Rishayim b'chayehem kriyim mesim. Rishayim in their death, in their lifetime, excuse me, are called dead. Why are they called dead in their lifetime? Because what excites them? What gives them life? What do they connect to? They connect to a slice of pizza. And the slice of pizza is not really alive. If their life is a slice of pizza, if what gives them energy, what gives them excitement is a slice of pizza, and the slice of pizza ultimately is an object which quickly disintegrates and disappears, and it gets relegated to the source of history, then what type of life do they really have? In their lifetime, they're called dead. They don't have any life in the first place. And this is what it means. The Aleikos, only godliness, who MS is true, v'chayim, and alive. Ultimately, every question, every moral question that we have, every um, uh, challenge that we face, ultimately we should be able to turn to godliness, and godliness has the truth, the answer for us. And only godliness is alive. The most natural thing that a person wants is to live. Life, continuing to be alive, is a natural instinct that is instilled in every single creature. And therefore, it should be natural to any Yid that he should want to cleave to godliness in order that he should be cleaving to life, that he should be cleaving to truth. Ukumei as it says clearly in the verse, it says, V'havaya alikim emes, hu alikim chayim. Havaya, who is a god of truth, is a god of life. So what happens? How is it possible for us to do something which is against truth and against life, the same way it's possible for us to smoke a cigarette, the same way it's possible for us to eat that piece of cheesecake, is because of the Ruach Shtus. The Ruach Shtus comes along and mechasa al ha'emes, it covers over the truth, and it covers over the highest, the life of Elikos of godliness. It prevents us from being able to recognize, from being able to feel, from being able to see that godliness is true and godliness is alive. That's why it's called Klippa. Why is it called Klippa? It's called Klippa because just like a, a 
peel that covers over the fruit, and you can't really tell what the fruit is like. Yeah, you know how when I go shopping for watermelon, so I stand over there knocking the watermelon. <laughs> so someone else comes over to me. It happens all the time in the store. He says, could you please check my watermelon to see if it's good? I tell them, I have no idea. I just know that you're supposed to knock the watermelon. <laughs> you can't really see what's going on inside of the klipa. You can't see what's going on inside of the peel. You, see, you knock it, because you knock it. What are you supposed to do? But you, it's not till you cut open the watermelon that you know if it's good or bad. Kumai klipa Just like the peel that covers over the fruit, kain haruachstus, in the same way the Ruach Shtus, the spirit of foolishness, comes along and it covers over, it hides and conceals the light of revelation of godliness. So basically, what the Ruach Shtus wants to do is the Ruach Shtus wants to convince us that the Klippa is real and that the pre, the fruit inside, is not really there. Or, in other words, to use our analogy of the puppets, the Ruach Shtus wants to convince us that Cookie Monster is alive. Cookie Monster is a real thing. You know that he's not, right? You know that he's not? Or you still think that he is? (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm shattering anybody's (laughs) belief system. But that's what the Rashtus wants to do. The Rashtus wants to convince us that the puppet is self-animated. And the puppet ultimately is dead. And that's why Rishon Bimisosan Bichayehin, excuse me, Korean Mason. Rishon during their lifetime, they're called dead. Why are they called dead? Because they're connecting themselves to something which is ultimately dead. They're connecting themselves to the puppet. And they're convincing themselves that the klipa, the puppet, is real. And that's what the Rorshtus does. The Rorshtus covers over and hides the light and revelation of godliness. And this is the reason why it's possible. That a yid could, God forbid, commit a sin. The lechayra seemingly how is it possible that a person should come to commit a sin? It should be completely impossible. Just like it's completely impossible for you to do something which is poisonous, which is hurtful, you wouldn't put your hand in a fire, so too it should be impossible for a Jew to commit a sin. The hurak, the only reason that it's possible is because he does not feel that with this sin he is separating himself from godliness. And it seems to him that he's still Jewish. He does not feel that he's losing his Jewish identity. He does not feel that he's losing his connection to godliness by committing this sin, God forbid. If he would know, the truth, as it is, shall 
that through this sin he's becoming separated from godliness. He would not commit the sin in any way, shape, or form. It would be impossible for him to commit the sin. It's in the nature of every single Jew. These words are super important. It's in the nature of every single Jew. He does not want in any which way. He's not able to at all to be separated from godliness. Just like it's in the nature of a person to find life and find things that give him life. It's in the nature of a person to crave oxygen and crave light. It's in the nature of a Yid not to, God forbid, be separated from Hashem. A Jew naturally wants to be connected to Hashem. And the Mimer says, as the Alter Rebbe teaches us in Tanya as well, the Haraya, the proof to this is, the Kasher Bali De Nisayan, when it comes to a test, the Kaifin Aisei and this person is being forced to reject Hashem. In other words, there's a non-Jew who's standing over him with a rifle or a pistol or a sword. And he's saying, either reject Hashem or I'm going to take away your life. This Jew says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad. Now we're talking about a Jew who his life, he did not live in such a Jewish way. He didn't have so many Jewish practices integrated into his daily life. And yet, when faced with this choice, bow down to the cross or give up your life, jump into the fire, he's ready to jump into the fire and not to bow down to the cross. How is that possible? How does that make sense? If he's so ready to give up his life to be connected to godliness, how could it be that sometimes he doesn't? How could it be that in his day-to-day life, he separates himself from godliness? The answer is very simple. The Mimer is going to teach us, and we'll read it inside in a moment. The answer is that when it comes to bowing down to the cross, every Jew feels that bowing down to the cross, or whatever it may be, rejecting Hashem, is taking away his Jewish identity. He knows I'm a Jew. There's the story that they say of a girl that came home and she cried to her father. She said, Dad, everyone in my class has trees. Why don't we have a tree? So her father says, listen, we're Jewish and we don't have trees. Trees are for the non-Jews, not for us Jews. So his daughter says back to him, but dad, you told me that we're atheists. (coughs) So he says, my dear daughter, you need to understand. We're Jewish and we're atheists. What that means is we have one God and we don't believe in him. Every Jew knows that Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echad. What he chooses with that Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echad in his daily life, that's the Ruach Shtos. But this knowledge is a knowledge 
which is instilled inside of every one of us. And the proof is that we see again and again throughout our history that even the simplest Yid is ready to give up his life. Al-Kiddush Hashem to recognize and to feel his connection to Abishtar. Unfortunately, sadly, painfully, this is something which we see over and over again, even in recent history and the events that have occurred on October 7th and since October 7th in Eretz Yisrael, where we see that there are Yidin who did not live their lives in a religious way, but they recognize in this situation of danger, in this situation of threat, they recognize that their identity is Jews and their identity is with Hashem and Hashem's path. Let's read inside again, Vaharaya, and the proof is the Kasher Bali de Nisayin, when it comes to a test, the Kaifin Isaichas Vishalim al Inyan Shokfira, and a person is forced on a matter of kfira, of rejecting Hashem. That then, it's impossible to think, it's impossible to fool yourself and think that you're not being separated from godliness. One cigarette, I could convince myself I'm not lining my lungs with tar. But if I'm going to take a cup of tar and drink it over there, even I'm not foolish enough to imagine that that's not going to affect my lungs. <clears throat> one Aveira left, one little Aveira, I'm able to convince myself I'm not separating myself from Hashem. But to God forbid, reject Hashem completely, to reject my Jewish identity completely, that no Jew is able to do. He throws his life away. He's ready to give up his life. He accepts upon himself all types of suffering. God forbid. And he gives up his life for Hashem. We see holy Jews who are ready to give up their lives for Hashem. All the time, even though their day-to-day lives is not really in such a Jewish way. This is something which we see practically also. Even in the lowest levels, like those who are very simple or sinners, the alulim that they're very likely to give up their lives to sanctify Hashem's name because then he knows and he feels and he does not want God forbid to separate himself from Hashem because to be like this God forbid, Nifred Meleke Yisrael, separated from Hashem, Ein Bichelishum Ba Yisrael. It's not possible for any Jew. There's sometimes, we see this unfortunately in psychological illnesses as well. There's sometimes that a person um, convinces himself of a certain fantasy. 
and even he builds layers upon layers of that fantasy. And he's walking around and he seems like he's here together with everyone else, but at the same time, inside of his head, he's living in a fantasy world, unfortunately. But if you shock him, he could be shocked into coming to a clear understanding of who he is and where he is. I mean, you don't have to go to illnesses. A person who's drunk, right? So a person who's drunk is living in a sort of uh, a different reality. But even a person who's drunk can be shocked to sober up, to recognize what's going on around him and where he is and what and, and, and what he has to do. But it takes a shock to the system. The shock to the system is something which is clearly separating him from godliness. And that's something that is impossible for any Jew, but in other things, that means in various that are less severe, so to speak, other Averis, God forbid, he does not know, nor does he feel, that he's becoming separated from Hashem's unity through this Avera. It seems to him, he feels like he's just as Jewish as he was. He does not feel that he's giving up any of his Jewish identity with a different Avera. His, the, this feeling that he's giving up his Jewish identity is only with a significant Avera that he feels is completely separating him from godliness. This comes as a result of the Ruach Shtus, the spirit of folly of the other side. It covers over the light and the revelation that he should not feel it. The foolishness comes along and tries to convince him that fake is real and real is fake. That's exactly what takes place. This is what happens to each and every one of us constantly. In other words, naturally, if we have our finger in a glove, so we should appreciate that there's the elements outside and there's the way my hand feels inside of this glove. And I should never imagine that just because my hand is nice and warm and cozy, that means that outside it's nice and warm and cozy also, etc. The ability to think that is a Ruchstus, which is not allowing me to think clearly. Just like the Ruchstus comes along and tries to convince me that the Klippa is real, that the puppet is self animated. That convincing that the puppet is self animated, <coughs> that's a convincing which. It's, it, it's completely perverting my sense of reality. It's not allowing me to recognize that which is MS, that which is Chaim, that which is truth, that which is alive. Perush, meaning, the, as the Maimer explains, 
that the Haruch Shtus Gerim Adam had their What the spirit of foolishness causes by a person is a lack of feeling. What does that mean, a lack of feeling? Why can I smoke a cigarette? I can smoke a cigarette because I don't feel the effects that it's doing to me. Why could I eat a piece of cheesecake? Because I don't feel what that cheesecake is doing to me. Why can I do an Avera? Because I don't feel what the Avera is doing to me. I don't feel what it's doing to me. Why don't I feel it? So remember, we spoke yesterday that the Nefesh Alekis, the godly soul, comes and clothes itself inside of an animal soul, which is inside of a body. That means there are multiple layers, many layers, which separate my nefesh alikis, my true identity, my identity as a Jew, my identity as a messenger of Hashem here in this world, and my experience here in the world. My experience here in the world is through the outer layers. Now, ideally, the objective of the what we called yesterday the hislabshus nefesh alikis benefesh abahamis of the clothing of the godly soul inside of the animal soul is that the godly soul should allow that the animal soul should not hide what's inside of it, but should reveal what's inside of it. It should not be opaque, it should be transparent. It should be clear. Godliness should be able to shine through it. That the person should walk down the street and you say, wow, there's a holy person. There's a Jew. There's someone whom I want to emulate. That's the way that it should be. But practically, the outer layers sometimes become very thick and very dark and instead of letting the neshama shine through which is the ultimate objective that the the nefesh abahamas the animal soul should act as a way to project the godly soul which is inside of it the opposite is happening it's covering over and concealing that which is inside and ultimately what that causes is that a person loses their sensitivity. A person should naturally have a sensitivity that there are certain things which are immoral. There are certain things which are impure. There are certain things which are unholy. He should naturally have a sensitivity which rejects some things, things like that. It's like that with food. A person should naturally have a sensitivity which when he eats a food, he should feel like this food is healthy, invigorating, it's giving me energy, and this food is overly processed, it's stuffed with sugar and fats and so on and so forth, and it's just weighing me down. A bite of food, just one bite, should right away communicate to the person and allow him to feel what the nature of this food is. Am I correct? Does that happen? Why not? Shtus. 
That's what happens. What happens is the more unhealthy foods that we eat, the less sensitive we become. The more we're involved in this world, this world which is the puppet, the concealment of godliness, the less sensitive we become to the spark of truth, of life that's inside of every single existence. And the more the Rechstus becomes effective and blocks us from appreciating what's inside. Let's see. Inside over here in the Maimer. Perush, meaning, the Rechstus garim loy adam hader hahergish. The Rechstus causes by a person a lack of feeling. Now you could ask me, what are you supposed to do? You're born here into this world. The only way for you to survive is by eating food. And every food has waste. That's our digestive system is for. Every food has waste. That waste makes us heavy. It makes us less sensitive. So what are we supposed to do? Stop eating? If we stop eating, we're going to die. There's all these diets that promote fasting. (laughs) And they say that if you fast, if you fast for one day, then you'll achieve these health benefits. And you fast for three days, you'll achieve these health benefits. And you fast for six days, then you'll achieve those health benefits. At a certain point, if you fast long enough, you're going to (laughs) die. That's the greatest health benefit. I don't understand. At a certain point, you're going to die. You can't not eat. So eating is bad for you, but fasting is also not so good. So what are you supposed to do? The answer is not to become immersed in food. I've seen articles where people are making the argument, we deserve to enjoy our foods. We deserve to stop dieting, to stop thinking about any of these Um, uh, restrictions when it comes to eating. We deserve to enjoy our food. They're not wrong. Enjoyment is important. Enjoyment is like the oil of life, which allows us to be alive, to be saturated with, with warmth, with love, with closeness. A person who is sucking all the enjoyment out of his life is a person who becomes shriveled up. But... That's as long as the enjoyment doesn't become its own focus. I told you, I have the cookies simply as a demonstration. <coughs> the, it's, it's as long as <coughs> the enjoyment doesn't become its own focus. It doesn't consume the person entirely. As soon as the enjoyment becomes its own focus, it's like the person who's watching the puppet show and... He's clapping for the hero. He's clapping for the hero. Don't clap for the hero. Who should you clap for? Who should you clap for? The puppeteer. Right? Don't clap for the hero. The hero's nothing. He's nobody. Clap for the puppeteer. You know what's going to happen if you clap for the hero? You know what's going to happen if you clap for the hero? Eventually you'll start clapping for the villain as well. That's 20% of America supports Bin Laden. Young Americans, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Why? 
Because if you clap for the hero and you involve yourself in the hero, even though the hero is taka good, he has a good message, he has a good lesson. But if you clap for the hero, eventually you're going to start clapping for the villain too. It, there's no way around it. Don't get caught up in the puppet. If you get caught up in the puppet, this will cause you a deadening, a numbing of your sensitivity. A heder hahergish, a numbing of your sensitivity. Vahainu, that means, shatoikev hachemda, betaiva, Again, the problem isn't so much the fact that you eat the food. The problem is that you have the enjoyment from the wrong things. And if you have the enjoyment from the wrong things, eventually you're going to lose your sensitivity for healthy food entirely. The geschmack! The geschmack! What is it supposed to be geschmack? Geschmack to be a yid, right? The geschmack that a person has in taiva, the chamimus, the excitement of the nefesh Bahamas of the animal soul, it's going to cause by result. It's impossible that it will not cause. Gairim layu will cause for a person krirus, coldness, hedera a lack of feeling, binyanim ruchniyim in spiritual things. If you're going to get excited about the puppet, you're not going to be excited about the puppeteer. And if you're not going to be excited about the puppeteer, eventually you're not going to hear the puppeteer's message, and eventually you may end up clapping for the villain. This is a fact. It's a reality. It's out there in the headlines. You can't deny it. You're going to start clapping for the villain at some point. Perush, now the Friedrich Rebbe is going to say it in Yiddish. The tsugabundkeit, the connection that a person has, unsikochkeit, the excitement that a person has, in inyane chemda v'taiva b'resicha, in matters of chemda, of of uh, pleasure, v'taiva and taivas b'resicha, with a boil, zemekare, this automatically causes that it it cools off, ha-hergish, and in the parentheses it explains, hergish means a feeling. Hergish means that you could eat a food and recognize it's healthy. Hergish means you could walk into a room and feel it's holy or unholy. You feel there's godliness in this room or there's a distinct lack thereof. Their their hair and gefil, their hair and feeling, binyanim haruchnim and spiritual things. He's so much given over. In his base, his chumrius, his, his base, um, taivus, his base desires, his base wants, vagashmim, his physical desires, that he's getting completely caught up in their pu- puppet, and this causes as their ruchnis to kahergishes by em, betachlas ahelam vahester, that the spiritual feeling is completely lost to him. He loses his entire sensitivity for something which is godly. It's a natural sensitivity which every Jew <coughs> should possess. Every Jew should possess a natural sensitivity to tell him this is something which is an Avera. Stay away from it! Pull back! It's dangerous! The fact that that does not occur is because he has become overwhelmed by other things. He becomes unfeeling at all. He lacks 
any sensitivity. He doesn't feel not the beauty of godliness, the pleasantness, the sweetness, the goodness, the elevatedness, in fulfilling mitzvahs, he does not feel that. And so too, he does not feel the opposite. He does not feel the danger of the sin. When he's far from godliness, which happens through any Avera that a person does. Not just the big three or the big ten, but any Avera that a person does causes him this this distance. In general, it's the covering of the animal soul which covers over the godly soul. Um, it doesn't seem like we have time to finish the chapter. <coughs> should, I, should I go for it? Yeah. Ah. Got this. No. Yeah. Okay, fine. So we'll leave it for the next class. Um, <laughs> Sunday morning, there's